Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
Welcome, everybody. It's another version of the outrage that continues from the Desert Tower Studios in the Big Bad Desert. This is Monster Mike, your humble host, along with the Baja Crew and our friends Ram Trucks, Hard Rock, Marlboro, Budweiser, Red Bull, and the Baja Racing Hall of Fame. Well, we have an all-star fleet of guests. Stay tuned. We have Alan Cole on the line. We also have the good friends at Baja Sun Films, Igor K, and a special guest that we'll we'll bring on and uh, bring on the, the spirit of the summer of love. Back in 69 and 68, right here on Off Road Live. Stay tuned.
Hi, this is Monster Mike, your humble host with the Baja Crew. Let's listen in to Alan Cole, a little pre-show interview we did earlier today. Remember, he's with MotorMexico.com. He is a an expert on Mexican auto insurance, and in particular, those little scrapes that you get into just in case you're in a race car and you kill somebody. Remember, you're listening to Off-Road Live every Monday, 4 West, 7 East. Well, welcome, everybody. It's a special version of Off-Road Live. This is a, uh, this is an interv- a special interview today uh, that is uh, done. Uh, it's a pre-show. It's called in the business a pre-show interview. Uh, but let me express that uh, we are in the Desert Tower Studios in the Big Bad Desert. This is Off-Road Live, your humble host, Monster Mike. And, of course, our friends are here with us, Ram Trucks, Hard Rock, Marlboro, Budweiser, Red Bull, and the Baja Racing Hall of Fame. Our special guest is the one and only, the esteemed, Alan Cole of MotorMexico.com. Alan, how are you? Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Excellent. So you're used to this. You've you've been in the studio before many times, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, we have. We've been we've been talking about this stuff for years, and uh, it just so happens it's back in the news. Um, but so f- let me just put this as succinctly as I possibly can. There are racers out there, there are competitors out there who are asking the question, and let me express it in in the ex- exact quote coming from someone who's interested in racing and and wanting to continue and to do desert off-road racing, in particular in Baja, Mexico. And here's the quote. I think we all understand the risks with racing and spectating, but I'm more interested in what procedures follow an event like this. Stay put or wait for the authorities? Question mark, call the authorities? Question mark, call everything to the border except the truck and the co-driver? Question mark, run to the border and never come back? Question mark, lawyer up is a given, but what can the average Joe expect to go through if you accidentally cause someone bodily harm or worse to a Mexican national when in Baja, Mexico? Alan Cole, you have the floor of Mother Mexico. <laughs> well, that's an excellent question, Mike, and it's certainly an understandable one. Uh, the first thing is stay put. Don't run. If you get caught while you're running, it's going to be a whole lot worse. Uh, the first thing I would do would be to call SCORE. SCORE is supposed to, and I believe they do, provide insurance that covers the racers during their participation. And that liability insurance should help solve the problem. SCORE has the contact information for the insurance company so they can get the insurance company representative to the scene of the accident as soon as possible. And then, of course, you should call your race team and call the police. Um, I was at, the last part of his question was, you know, what to expect. I was near the scene of a fatality at a Nora race a couple years ago, just north of um, Loreto. And in this case, a racer killed another, another participant in the race 
but it still falls under the purview of the Mexican authorities. The race team, the race drivers stayed there. It took about five hours, and I stayed the entire time. It took about five hours for the police to show up. When they showed up, they took the um, drivers into Loreto. They um, blood tested them and, and um, you know, had them breathe into a, into a tube to make sure they were not under the influence of anything. They separated the, the driver and the co-driver, and they questioned each of them, and then they got the police together to make sure that the stories coordinated or didn't. They did, in fact, coordinate, and somewhere around midnight that night, they released the drivers, and the next morning at the start line, they took off and headed for La Paz. So by following the rules, even though it was an accident that may have been avoidable, they followed the rules, and uh, they were clean as far as drugs and alcohol, and they didn't have a tr any trouble. And, of course, the insurance company for Nora showed up and helped take care of the matter. Uh, Alan Cole of MotorMexico.com can't tell you how much we appreciate you answering the question, just very direct and as clear as possible. But, you know, just in, in uh, uh, putting a fluorescent marker on exactly what you just said, the most important component of this is the sanctioning body uh, having uh, a relationship not just with uh, the sponsors to get money and the racers to get money and other people to get money. They have to be a responsible corporate citizen in the Republic of Mexico and have various relationships with different functions of both uh, you know, civil uh, business and uh, also government to be able to assist its uh, racers in events like this. Absolutely correct, Mike. Absolutely. You know, uh, the, dif the, difficult, the difficult part of this, I've been following and spectating at score races for over 40 years, and things have changed. There's more and more spectators out there as Mexico's middle class has grown. You have more and more people out at the races, and it's just virtually impossible for even the organizers or uh, the local municipal governments to supervise spectators throughout the entire distance of the race course. So, you know, drivers have to be careful. They have to be well-educated by SCORE on what to do in case something like this happens. And it's equally important for the drivers to be careful, even if they're amped up, and to attend the driver meetings where they're informed by SCORE what to do in a situation like this. Yeah, in particular, and we want to make sure that the sanctioning body is doing those things. And, and you and I, over the years since Roger has uh, purchased the property, uh, we've we've found great inadequacies in what Roger's doing having to do with the sanction. But just one additional point, and that is that uh, when uh, uh, you, you talk about uh, those responsibilities of the civil government and the changes that have occurred over the past, in particular, 15 years, there has been national changes in the laws having to do with insurance and damages. Am I right? That's correct. 2000, you... 2012, yes. uh, Mexican federal legislation substantially increased the amount of financial responsibility you can be held responsible for if you cause the accidental death of another person, whatever the cause, whether it's an auto accident or, or whatever type of accident. And the amount varies by state, and it is in pesos, not in U.S. dollars, obviously. In Baja North, 
the amount that you can be held responsible for is 1,869,900 pesos. At today's exchange rate, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 104,000 U.S. Well, Alan, I don't want to take any more of your valuable time that we absolutely need to do, and you, you've been kind enough to come on the uh, Off-Road Live show uh, today, uh, April the 9th, having to do with the uh, bad news that came out of the San Felipe 250 this weekend. Alan Cole of MotorMexico.com. Uh, Alan, not only am I saluting you for coming on the show today, but all of the service that you've provided the racing community, including being on the show for years and years and years and years. Uh, I look forward to uh, joining you in uh, chasing uh, the uh, racers down uh, in racing, as a matter of fact, down to uh, Cabo San Lucas. Thank you very much, Alan Cole. Okay, Mike. Have a good one. Take care. Take care. Thank Alan Cole of MotorMexico.com for being on the line today. We greatly appreciate it, Alan. Uh, and Igor, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Good afternoon to you, Monster Mike. Good afternoon, sir. This is uh, Igor K. of Baja Sun Films. We can't tell you how much we appreciate your patronage uh, being right here on Off-Road Live. Well, uh, tell us about what's happening with Baja Sun Films. Well, I am excited to bring you an exclusive scoop on the latest news, and that is that we have been uh, now, uh, uh, we have been selected uh, into another uh, film festival. That is incredible. Tell us all about this film festival and essentially what they do. Very interested to hear what they do. Uh, this is a really good one. This is uh, called the Independent Filmmakers Showcase. So it specifically you know, hosts uh, screenings and premieres for independently produced films. Uh, you know, no big studio hoopla, no big corporate sponsorship. Although, I got to tell you, I'm looking at their website and... Wow, they have quite uh, the list of uh, past films that they broke here and uh, what's happening this year. It it looks very, very exciting. It's going to be held 
in uh, simultaneously uh, 200 plus screens, they said, screenings uh, in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, and in Santa Monica between May 9th and May 20th. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, now, what geographic location again? Uh, it's going to be, well, they have several venues in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, and Santa Monica. From what I understand, uh, the bulk of the screenings uh, and the main gala uh, and the award ceremony is going to be at the Grove, the Grove in West Hollywood. No you kidding. Been, you ever been there? I have, and as a matter of fact, I mean, that's accessible by millions of people. Yes, it's a major tourist destination. It's got its own little trolley. It's got, uh, you know, I don't know, probably a couple of dozen restaurants in there and uh, a very modern, uh, sophisticated, multi-screen cinema. And oh, I love that location. We go there with the family, with the kids. Whenever somebody comes in from out of town, we go there all the time. And yeah, I that's a wait. fantastic location. That's where they're going to have the red carpet on May 10th. And guess what? Because it is such a public location, even the red carpet festivities and everything is going to be available and accessible to the public. That is fantastic. Now, this is, am I right that this this uh, type of film festival that's open to the public, uh, that's not a granted in most film festivals? No, well, uh, no, the festivals themselves in general, yeah, all the screenings are generally available to the public. However, you know, the more uh, prominent and the more popular the festival is, uh, the more you kind of have to pre-buy your tickets ahead of time. Like in the case of Sundance, uh, where we went to last year, you have to order your ticket. You have to basically decide over a month in advance exactly which movies, at what venues, and what times you're going to want to go and see them. Otherwise, it sells out. Sells oh, no out. kidding. Wow. Yeah, because the screenings in Park City, you know, they're held at these little theaters, man. Most of them, except for the main one, most of them, they only hold, you know, between 50 and maybe 100 people or so, and it's little. Whereas at the Grove, I, I don't know if they're going to, you know, take over the entire multiplex or if it's just going to be on, you know, some of the screens. But each, you know, each theater in there is probably at least, I'd say, I don't know, four or 500 seater. Uh, I've only been to the big ones in there. I know they got smaller ones too, but it looks like this is a very exciting program. Like I said, they're focusing on independent filmmakers. And uh, just check out some of these names that they're featuring for this year. They're breaking the movie Gold, uh, starring Matthew McConaughey. I don't know what it's about, but I love the poster. Uh, their tagline is based on a too-good-to-be-true story. <laughs> <laughs> and in the past they have uh they premiered the hateful eight uh you know tarantino's last big film mm -hmm. and uh pop culture they premiered uh the founder you know that movie with michael keaton about uh the mcdonald's uh brothers and oh yeah that whole story and uh inherent vice also apparently premiered at this festival uh, what was that, two, three years ago? A very trippy film. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, it's one of those kind of also too good to be true stories. Of course, it's not true, but man, what a film. Uh, 
It was uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. You know, anything he does is just just bizarre and hugely entertaining. Well, those are those are actually very big film premieres. Yeah, yeah, those are huge. And again, you know, they were big, and uh, they had a lot of promotion about them. They had a little buzz, but they were made roughly the same way that our film was made uh, by independent filmmakers who really believed in their story and raised their own money and did it. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure some of those definitely scored big studio-backed distribution deals, which, uh, of course, is what we're hoping for for this. But uh, it's, uh, you know, this is this is a great festival to be a part of uh, because it really does feature you know some of the less mainstream and specifically independently produced uh, films yes and um it's it's what uh, let me see how many years have they had this oh this is the 26th annual 26 years they've been doing this that's amazing Oh, yeah. And, oh, my God, you know, talk about dropping names. I mean, what they have on here, all the different people who have attended and uh, premiered. We're looking from David Cronenborg to Tom Ford, Lars von Trier, uh, just so many big names. Uh, I urge everyone to go to www.ifsfilm.com. IFS as an independent filmmakers showcase, and then the word film.com. Now, how long have have you been in film? Oh, well, at the risk of giving out my age, I'll tell you. I uh, went to film school in Chicago, uh, Columbia College uh, Film School, which is a very, very highly respected uh, uh, college uh, for film and television and the arts, and uh, uh, I was very fortunate to uh, have gone there during their kind of what we call the golden era, when they were still in one or two little buildings in downtown Chicago, and during the four years that I was there, uh, we saw it grow to just multiple facilities with a huge professional soundstage with, uh, for, uh, for the film department with a remote multi-camera uh, production truck for the television department. Uh, they took over the old Roosevelt Theater down there. And anyway, I was very fortunate. And that was back in the 80s. But uh, I'll tell you a cookie story. The first time I ever picked up a film camera was a little Super 8 camera in high school in my junior year, and the only it was a class called Film Studies. And honestly, the only reason I was even in that class is because uh, in uh, in my high school, at least, uh, also in Chicago, in your junior and senior years, you could get out of taking English classes by taking uh, one of these other two classes. One was called Media Now, and one was film studies. So I opted for film studies. You know, I kind of knew what it was. I was always the guy running the film projector in the classrooms anyway. You know, I wasn't officially the AV department in my high school, but let me just tell you, half of those AV people, they didn't know what they were doing. So I would always jump in, thread the projector, do a splice here and there, plug in the amps, you know, that was, I really liked that. And when I learned in my junior year that I could get out of a whole year of English, 
just by taking a film studies class. I so you were the you were the impromptu AV guy. Exactly, exactly. And when I heard that, you know, you could run around with a film camera, shooting little movies, making little animation projects, and get English credit for it, I jumped on that idea. Yeah, that's an easy call. Well, in high school in the mid seventies, that was like, woo, yeah, mana from heaven. Yeah, get the hell out of writing. Exactly, exactly. And listen, I got to tell you, back then, I mean, it was still early on. We had just immigrated to America only a few years before. My English wasn't so good anyway. You know, it's still not all all there. I get tripped up all the time. And I'm sure you and your listeners have probably discerned a little bit of an accent that I still have. And, uh, you know, to me, that was just awesome. And when I got my hands on a little camera, it was just, it was, it was like a match made in heaven. It was great. And uh, when I took uh, a class the second year, my senior year, even though it was called Media Now, by then the teacher, you know, knew and trusted me with the equipment, and she let me use, like, the one uh, sink camera that we had there. It was still 8 millimeter, but it was like a Beaulieu uh, semi-professional, you know, very advanced camera. Everybody else was getting these little Kodaks, little Bell and Howells, you know, just point and shoot. And she trusted me with this much, much more, you know, elegant, professional quality camera. And I, I jumped at that situation. And one thing led to another. Next thing you know, I'm in film uh, school. And uh, uh, after graduation, I worked in uh, Chicago. Uh, for a couple of years until I finally made it out here to the land of uh, Hollywood in 1988. Well, I have to tell you, Igor, the only uh, accent that I'm picking up is heavy Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what you get for living there for over 25 years, even uh even though, you know, it's my second language, that's that's how we talk down there, you know? It's Berwin, <laughs> Chicago, it's <laughs> Well, Igor, let me uh, uh, invite into the conversation, we have uh, Michael Noval calling in from Michigan, and talk about a transplant. Uh, Michael Noval's been on the West Coast this whole time, and only recently moved to Michigan, uh, Michael, are you are you taking on an accent yet, or are they picking up yours? No, as a matter of fact, I want them to know that I'm not from here, because at least that way they can get set up to the fact that I don't exactly fit into this kind of community culture, but they're wonderful, fantastic people. It's a great area, but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm just... Uh, you know, 60 years in L.A., well, that should be enough to pretty much get you down to whatever you're going to be for the, if you have, let's say, 20 or 30 more. So that's all I got. Well, let me let me uh, uh, introduce uh, Igor K. of Baja Sun Films and Michael Naval uh, uh, into a conversation, a teleconference here. Uh, Michael, if you don't mind, uh, would you introduce yourself, take up, you know, a couple of paragraphs and, and tell our audience or reintroduce our audience with Michael Naval? Well, um, uh, God, how do I, where should I start, Michael? Um, I, uh, well, I was uh, born in Los Angeles and uh, lived there my entire life. I'm a third-generation Los Angelian on my mother's side of the family. And 
and uh, I got I was fortunate in the work that I did because I was able to go all over the world many 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 times and it was really good to have Los Angeles and Hollywood as a home base but you know after a while it kind of wears out and uh, so my wife and I decided sell the house. She's from a beautiful place called Traverse City, Michigan, which was actually voted one of the best uh, top ten small towns in America. It's become a, a destination kind of uh, place to come to for vacationers and things like that. Um, I mean, I drive through vineyards and stuff to get to this little house we have on the bay over here, and uh, it's lovely. It's really, really nice. But that being said, that's why I'm here. But uh, but I'm how do I put this? I got bigger than Gypsy when it comes to it. Still doesn't feel like home to me. Well, uh, well, Michael, why don't why don't we cut to the chase? If you don't mind, let's let's talk about uh, uh, your uncle, your uh, Don Francisco. I'd love to. Um, my uncle Don Francisco was Eddie Perlman's partner uh, when they created Nora back in 1967. Uh, my uncle came from uh, everything from the Pan American Railway's flanking teams with Strop to running the Comets in East Africa in the early 60s, and uh, you know, which was also another Strop thing. And my other uncle, Ray Brock, who was the editor in chief of Hot Rod Magazine for many, many, many years, uh, those two influences had been in there forever. And Ray raced a lot of, uh, of off-road races with Nora because he was always invited to, to run with Strop. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, uh, my uncle and Eddie were an incredible pair. And um, they, they were kind of like perfect bookends. One was extremely good at being the impresario, the guy in the center ring to, to get people to understand what this whole thing was about. And my uncle, because of all of the, you know, uh, I mean, he's the editor of Motor Trend. I mean, you just go through the whole list. And these guys, um, you know, the, the, the first belly tank uh, um, lake that went over 154 miles an hour, he, uh, his buddy built uh, back in the early days of El Mirage and Bonneville. And so, yeah, they, they sort of uh, kind of met up into the, uh, uh, with the Nora thing going on, my uncle was a, literally one of the earlier Baja Bush pilots. He had a, a beautiful little Cessna 182. He landed on a on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. No worries, piece of cake. And back in those days, that was kind of one of the only ways you could sort of figure out how you wanted to lay out a course. And, uh, and back then, you know, $275 got you into the race. That also covered your hotel the night before, your hotel at the end, and your fuel. Just to give you an idea. And, uh, yeah, so I grew up right in the middle of that, and uh, my Uncle Don was an extraordinary man. Really incredible. And so was Eddie Perlman. I, I don't mean to, to not uh, put them both in the same deal. They were the perfect blend of people to really create a sport. In my opinion, exactly what they did. I'm sure that other people have other opinions. But before that, it didn't really mean too much about going fast down dirt roads. They did that, and, well, that's, that's a 
not. Well, Michael, one of the things that um, uh, I expressed to, to Igor K. of Baja Sun Films was that you were the guy who did the piece on Parnelli Jones that launched the new Nora. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, no, it was, uh, we, we, and, well, first of all, Mr. Jones uh, was very friendly with my uncle because he was writing, you know, for, uh, uh, for Peterson back in those days with indie and all that sort of stuff. And then when Michael and I decided to bring back Nora, um, the perfect guy, and yet the person I would think would have just said, hey, you know what, I, I, that was, that's old history, I won't do it. He was so great. And he, we went to his office, we told him what we were going to do. And then we said, would you like to help us to do this? And without a beat, he said, what do you need me to do? And I said, I'd like to shoot a piece of material with you because coming from you, it means a great deal. It, it, because that guy really, I mean, there's been lots of great racers in the dirt, but when you think of Parnelli Jones, that is the one. You know, when he set that record to La Paz, that stood for, what, 14 years? And, um, well, and, Michael, let me say that, that uh, for those of the uninitiated, uh, that uh, Parnelli Jones essentially uh, legitimized Desert off-road racing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, you know the guy, the, and that was the beauty of, by the way, what that event was all about. Is that you could enter with your whatever you could put together to make the run, and you might be starting in front of Marley Jones, or you might be starting behind him. But this is a guy who won Indy. And yet, in that environment, everybody was on an equal footing. And uh, it was extraordinary. That combined with the fact that, that uh, we were involved in a, in a war in Vietnam, and it was one of the great releases. This was explained to me by Eddie Perlman. Because I asked him one day, I said, why did this catch? And he said, well... Oh, the young people were going off to fight the war in Vietnam. The people that did not or missed it or whatever, um, they still needed a mission as well. And it was very easy to, for them to go across the border with their, their equipment and their plan and their mission and race. And, uh, and it's, you know, if you do any of this kind of racing, you pretty much find out after a while. It's kind of like a military operation. Um, and uh, uh, that's well there's no question about it that it for many it is a, a little mission but for for those of us uh, uh, who you know haven't done a, in a, a whole mission of racing it is a big mission of racing yeah it really is and you know what's super cool about it is that when Mike and I decided to bring back Noel, we literally did it at my uncle's memorial. And I put together a, a, sort of a, a nice visual presentation with music uh, based on photos and this and that and the other thing. And obviously a big part of my uncle's life was with Eddie and, uh, and uh, his wife Shirley and my uncle Kenny. And those pictures were there and what have you. And afterwards he walked up to me and he looked at me and he nodded. I looked back at him and I nodded, and we knew exactly what we were saying, that this was going to come back. And we did it. And 
that's why we went to go talk to Mr. Jones about it. And uh, I frankly, I was honored that he would allow us to throw up the lights, get ready to go, and answer the questions. And tell us, you know, he's such an interesting cat anyway, to, to have him open up the kimono, if you will, and bear his soul about that was pretty swell. It really was. I kept it short because there's a lot of material available for that. I kept it short just so it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't lose the, the viewer that might go onto the website and take a look at it. But it really did sort of ring true. And he said, he said it better than anybody. I asked him a question about when do you think it was the best of times? And he said, well, he said, when I raced in Mexico, those were the best of times. Uh, Michael, if you don't mind, um, may I introduce uh, Igor K. of Baja Sun Films? Igor, go ahead. Uh, do you have a question? Yes. Uh, well, first, let me second uh, what you're just doing and kind of, uh, you know, say that the same sentiments were echoed to me by our director, Jack Cooperman. Uh, I mean, he used virtually the same words. It was a race. Back then, it was a race that anyone could enter. Just a guy who put together a buggy with his son in the garage had the same odds of winning as any of the Vic Hickey, Bill Strobe, Bill Cars, any of those big sponsored Broncos and Ford trucks, and, uh, you know, including uh, even the stars like Garner and McQueen. And Parnelli Jones was a big part of that. Uh, I think by the time he, he I mean, I, I like what you said, Mike, he legitimized off-road racing because by the time Parnelli Jones got to Baja, I think he was already an established track racer, wasn't he? Oh, by far, for sure. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it was sort of interesting when we were able to migrate across from boat racing or stock car racing or whatever it was. I mean, Ray Harbeck was Parnelli's first co-driver ever in a stock four-wheel drive Bronco. And uh, that's, um, uh, oh, God, what's the son's name? Uh, Harvick. Uh, it's Ray Harvick was the dad. And put the NASCAR guy, Harvick. Oh, out. yeah, the, the family out of Barstow. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, you know, these, these, these people all kind of came together because it was sort of unknown. It really was. I mean, we were going to the moon at the same time. And so to race through an entire country without really any of the kind of connectedness that makes traveling on roads in other countries doable, that was doable there. It still is. In my opinion, it's the Mecca. It's the place to go. And by the way, I want to jump back to a point. I know Mr. Cooperman. As a kid, I met him. I met Jack. And uh, interesting dude. Very much an adventure filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah, that was his thing. He was, uh, you know, he had his tight crew. And they were filming action sequences for, uh, you know, motion pictures and everything. And that gave them the idea and the adventure of the spirit to go down there, embed themselves into the whole lifestyle. I mean, they didn't just show up for two days with cameras and then leave. 
No, they have to do all the same scouting, pre-running, trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, where they're going to refuel, how can they land the airplanes, how can they move the crew from point to point and all that. And he talks about all that in our film, of course. And uh, even uh, I love how you set the setting. You know, what's not in the short film here, but what is going to be in the feature, uh, which is I kind of already started putting it together, we do open up by setting the stage. I think it's important to set the scene. What was going on in America in 69? You know, like you said, it was uh, it was the Vietnam War. It was uh, Woodstock. And, yeah, and, uh, and NASA had just landed a man on the moon. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Stuff. But the things 
could happen in Baja if you're trying to shoot it, you're on the same level as the racers and pit people, as you said before. Where are we going to put the helicopter? How are we going to move the film? How are we going to do that stuff? And it's still pretty much like that. You know, I mean, the race is a lot more organized and sophisticated, but it's really, you know, the people, their ingenuity, their personalities. That's what I'm interested for in this film, the microculture of these off-road people with dust in their veins, adventure in their heart, and, you know, and four wheels under their bottom. And you know what? What's cool about it is that you can still do it. It's not, you know, the fun part about the way that we decided to do Nora is that, that, you know, in the very beginning, we didn't want any contemporary vehicles. None of them. We, when Mike and I first sat down, we said, you know what? There's a gazillion guys in Southern California, Nevada, Arizona, whatever it is, that have old race cars or whatever up in the attic or on the side of the barn or whatever. Let's create an event where they can go do this thing by taking out their old stuff, cleaning it up, and we'll give them a course that they can actually drive on instead of it being what I refer to as an engineer's course, okay? Yeah. Where, you know, you basically bash shit out of the equipment until you either finish or you're done. Um, you know, give them a course that they actually have to drive. And uh, it's been, it's been a, a good experiment. It's actually turned out nicely that people are getting an opportunity to take their old stuff out, and go have a great adventure. And the first year we brought it back, one of the guys who ran a borough, I can't remember his name offhand, and I apologize, he celebrated his 80th birthday in La Paz with us. And that was after being out of his race buggy for 50 years. <laughs> it was, uh, it was well, cool. You know, we just uh, celebrated Bruce Myers' 92nd birthday just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he is just, you know, so much fun still and so full of life and so energetic about it. And I got to tell you, I never really, you know, thought about racing until I came along into this project. And now I'm hooked. I need to get me my own Manx and make it down there and, and get the hands on, you know? Well, you know, as a filmmaker myself, the cars are neat. There's well, bikes are neat. All that stuff is neat. But what's really neat are the people. It's the people. Yes. You know, you can look. You know, you can look at all the manufacturers and all the tires and all the shocks and every kind of thing in the world, right? It's nothing without the people. Nothing. Yes. The people are ultimately what people are interested in seeing because they get to learn from other people that uh, are paying their due at that moment where you go, oh, maybe I won't do that in the future or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's contagious. I'm hooked. I, I love it. And I want to uh, I want to say what a pleasure it was to uh, meet you uh, on the phone. And I do have to run, but I hope we will speak again. And uh, perhaps, I don't know if you're planning on coming out, but perhaps we'll uh, meet down in uh, Baja later this month. I'll, uh, I'll be there. I'll be there. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm running a, a 1984 uh, Mirage uh, Porsche buggy that Bill Barnes built. Magnificent vehicle. That thing is so beautifully restored to the Peterson Museum, and, and 
and, and, and people will just drool over it. It's, it's almost too nice to raise. But I'm a lucky person in this uh, opportunity, and Bill was nice enough to tell it to me. And he is an extraordinary fabricator, brilliant fella. So uh, I'll be there. Look, I look forward to... Number 231. That's okay. Us. I look forward to meeting you in person and seeing the car in action, and uh, I'll see you in Baja. I look forward to seeing you there, and good luck with your project. You let me know whatever you need. I'll do what I can. Thank you so much, and I'll pass on regards from you to uh, Jack when I uh, speak to him tomorrow. Please do. That would be super cool. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care, Mike. Thank you, sir. and and thank you so much for your valuable time today. Uh, Baja Sun Films uh, and uh, your project, Legends of Baja, Igor K. Thank you for being on Off-Road Live. It was my pleasure. Bye-bye, guys. Well, Michael, it's you and I. It is, and again, I want to thank you for uh, your incredible contribution to Off-Road Live. You've done many shows with us. Uh, You granted us a short period of time to be able to put up that Parnelli Jones video. uh, My my pleasure. Uh, You know, that that kind of material needs to be shared. Yes. It has to be shared. You know, sometimes, and I don't hate to think of the day, but in all of our lives, certain people there from the very beginning won't be there. And if we don't really take the time to celebrate them while they're with us, then we've missed out. And, uh, you know, uh, a chat like Parnelli but Jones is just, I mean, it, it doesn't really get any better than that, not in my opinion. I agree. Well, Michael, uh, would you like to stay on, or have you had enough? Well, I don't know. Um, it's up to you. Hey, it's your show, Bubba. You tell me what you need. I just, I, just, I just made it to the call time. That's all I had to do. Well, listen, Michael, the one thing that you said today, and, uh, you know, people really need to take this to heart, especially after the events this weekend. The most important part of our lives are the people around us. But it is. Yes. <laughs> 
fishing is enough. And that, I think, is the essence of the sport. Uh, that you can win if you're having that day or that kind of a team. Or you can just finish, and that's as good as a win. No, this sport is a wonderful life lesson. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've often said, you know, when I break it down, to me it's like a microcosm of a lifetime, right? Everything you're good at, everything you're bad at, everything that makes you tired, everything that invigorates you, everything that scares you, but you go through all of the things that life does, right? But it happens in a 24-hour period out there. And, and that's a great sort of a wake-up call kind of in a way to get you back in touch with the fact that there's only so many computers and so many things that we can rely on to take care of basically our day-to-day existence. But the bottom line is if we still don't have some kind of a handle on it, then it goes away. Off-road racing puts that right in your lap and says, either, you're, either you can adjust or you're not going to be successful. And it doesn't matter who you are or what level you come from, it's all the same mentality. And it's kind of the things that I think that kind of keeps the, the whole human race sort of moving along, you know? Agreed. And life is for living, my friend. Uh, I love I love the uh, the concepts that uh, uh, Igor and yourself, Michael Naval, on the line right now on Off Road Live. Uh, this is Monster Mike. Uh, all harkens back to the summer of love, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, bringing that back to life. The summer of love, 1968, 1969. Uh, for the next uh, upcoming NORA rally, as well as the uh, uh, 2019 NORA rally, which uh, we're going to be not only participating in, but also uh, hopefully uh, seeing something on the big screen uh, and uh, really enjoying uh, the life that happened then and the lifestyle that we have now. Yeah. And, you know, it's something unique to us uh, who live in Southern California in a way. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the Southern California, Arizona, and uh, certain other people who buy their very, you know, I call it Baja soul. If you have a Baja soul, you can do it. And the people who also have Baja soul, they know you have it. It's, it's something as simple as when you're going down Highway 1 and someone's broken down on the side of the road. It doesn't matter who they are, but you stop. You stop because you you, you, you have a hustle. And you know that one day you might be there, and that person may stop for you. And it's like, perfect, perfect. Let's keep, let's keep that going, you know, right? Because there isn't enough of that in the world, as far as I'm concerned, but it's down there, and I... I pledge allegiance to the Baha'u'llah. Well, God bless you, Michael Naval, for being on the line, for sharing those deep thoughts and those, you know, uh, gifting uh, thoughts of uh, uh, treating our brothers and sisters as equals and moving on through life uh, as we go. Thank you so much for being on Off-Road Live. We look forward to having you not only on future shows, uh, but also uh, greeting you when you come into San Diego County on the way down to the Nora Rally upcoming, and then uh, for us working together uh, on future projects. Terrific. Michael, thank you very much for the opportunity. And uh, as I always tell my friends, keep the dream alive. It can definitely play out, and it does. Again, God bless you. Michael Naval, special guest, uh, along with uh, Igor K. of Bajas on Films. Thank you so much for being on. I'll give you a jingle a little later, Michael. 
Yeah, you have a wonderful evening. Thanks again, Michael. Have Thank a good you. evening. You bet. Bye now. Bye bye. Everybody, Off Road Live is on every Monday, 4 West, 7 East, with our friends Ram Trucks, Hard Rock, Marlboro, Budweiser, Red Bull, and the Baja Racing Hall of Fame. I wish to thank everybody who's been on today, Alan Cole of MotorMexico.com, Igor K. of Baja Sun Films, and the great Michael Noval all here on this Off-Road Live, April the 9th, 2018. We are a Fox Sports Radio affiliate. Thank you very much for joining us, folks. Lights out.
stay tuned to part two. We will have an extended version today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.